Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. It's Hope Net Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime. Welcome at to HopeNet360.com. Hope Radio. Tonight it is good to be now, with you. Now, here are the hosts of Hope Radio, Dave Jeff and Dave. And again, we have our special guests. Um, I'm thinking they're less special tonight because they've been on so many times. But <laughs> Yeah, I'm not thinking they're very special anymore. <laughs> yeah, Todd, We're awesome. <laughs> and Todd and Kyle are with us from Nicolay Bible Institute. You be- can get in on this show tonight. You can send us an email at hope at hopenet360.com. Or connect with us on Facebook and Twitter and send us some messages there. Tonight, we are talking about things you want to talk about. We want to hear from you uh, as far as things that matter to teens, young adults, parents. If you're out there and you have a question or you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, we'll be touching on that tonight. So, DW, we have some really good questions that have come in on our Facebook page and our email one of the questions that has come in, and we're just going to open with this and we'll see kind of where this goes, but um, one of the questions that we got recently was, is kissing a sin? Is kissing a sin? Um, probably not, especially if you kiss a pig. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I should... It, it, Todd. <laughs> is, Todd, really, is that something you struggle with? Gross. Yeah, I think that's gross. You know, that's, I'm not even going to acknowledge that. <laughs> I'm not sure where that's going. But, you know, I think I think the question may not be, is kissing a sin? I, I think what happens is we have to understand that we're wired a certain way. And this is something, I, as I talk to um, a lot of people through the years, it's almost like they find it surprising that they're wired a certain way. I mean, they, we are. You're, you actually need to breathe like air. I mean, you're wired to do that. That doesn't surprise anybody. But you're wired in some other ways. You actually are wired to be intimate. You are. You you need intimacy in your life. And what Satan is really good at is false intimacy so that you, you find it in some way where you shouldn't and you think you're satisfied. That's why there's things like uh, prostitutes and that kind of stuff because people are thinking I'm, I'm missing out on all this love stuff. And they go and they think, well, that must be love. It isn't. That That's a physical manifestation that sometimes people think, well, that's what love is. It isn't. And, and I think what you're really needing to understand is that there are, there are certain physical things that happen between two people that are exclusively in a relationship with one another. And, and God gives us a very specific timeline in when those passions can be completely enjoyed. And he does that in the context of security. He does that in the context of family. He does it in the context of if there's children that are created through the sexual act, that there's a way to take care of them. I mean, God knows what he's doing, and he wired us away. What we have to be careful of is getting the fires ignited because then all of a sudden you've got all these feelings and passions that are pretty normal that are going on in your life. So is kissing itself evil? I don't think so. But where do you go with that? Is that is that the start of something? Does that get your lust motor working? Does that? And that's what you got to ask. Um, and I think we have to be very careful to understand that. Um, we have to be very careful out there because of the uh, preponderance of 
of pornography. You know, I mean, I've said it before. The average young man, the last time I read, watches between 30 to 50 porn clips a week. And a little kiss could just be a fuel that ignites a whole problem. So we, we do need to be careful. And, uh, but we need to understand that, that maybe a specific action like that may not be something that's completely evil. It, it just could lead to something that you would rather not be a part of. All right, Kyle, we got this email in about kissing. I kind of want to put you on the hot seat. Okay, do um, it. Have you been in a relationship where that was a question that came up? Yeah, no, um, definitely. And, I mean, I've I've kissed my girlfriend before. And um, I think that there's a time and place for everything. But there needs to be, like what Dave said, guardrails up in your life to understand that if you take something too far – if you um, if you're kissing your girlfriend, it's gonna lead to other things. If you aren't doing it the correct way, I don't want to say there's a correct way to kiss and there's a wrong so way. So you to putting kiss. out a YouTube video <laughs> yeah. on this or what? I'm not. I mean, I'm not gonna show anybody the correct way, but I right, think that's like good. I don't want to see it. I yeah. try. I tr- <laughs> I know it's just it's it's difficult if you get alone with your girlfriend and you're kissing her. You're gonna want. You're okay. just gonna want to do more things. All right, and that you just said something very important. You said guardrails and alone. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and, and that may be some of the things that you have to think about. Is is it healthy for you to be in a place? It's dark. You're all alone kissing your girlfriend. No, absolutely right. not. So the guardrail would be what? Get somebody down in that room. Right. And three, turn on some lights. Three, right. Have some lights on, be in public. How, how many times have I told young people through time? If you, you know, I love to see a healthy dating relationship. I love to see it. And when I've seen Kyle with his girlfriend, I have not seen things that were unhealthy. And, and I, you know, so I'm proud of him in that way. But it, what I'll tell him is you can be alone, but be alone in public. Yeah. You know, that's the guardrail. Mm-hmm. There's a time and place for things. So, in other words, there's a table if you're at Silver Birch Ranch. There's a table out in the middle of camp there. Everyone's walking by you. Go sit there and talk to your girlfriend. And that way you're alone, but you're in public. And most of them will roll their eyes at me. That's not what we mean. And and I know. I, and I say, well, I know that's not what you mean because you want a place that's alone that you can do this kissing thing that'll lead to something else that'll yeah. lead to something else. And, and and that's what I'm trying to tell you not to do because well, we're trying to do what's right long term and not just take your feelings and let them direct you because you can get in trouble if you get in that habit. Well, I like even like going down in the and and well, I have a really nice basement at my house, so I love going down in the basement to play ping pong and then to like watch sports and a lot of times um we can end up alone so i'll call my brother down or my sister down because i know that nothing's going to happen when my sister and my brother are sitting right next to us so it's like i try i we try to put ourselves in good position we do put ourselves in good position so that we don't make bad mistakes so we don't go down that hill which is so slippery let me me ask you this though but you have had a long time with her I mean, Yo, you, yeah, you've been no. able to talk about things, and I know you, you've talked through things. Yeah, talk, but but it's not a long time where you set it up in this way that you know um, your feelings and your passions can just get fueled like crazy to go the wrong direction. Well, yeah, you have to be careful. I mean, <laughs> my dad has been good about this too. In uh, in our house, never have a door closed. Why close the door? Why can't the door be open? You can have a private conversation with the door open. Right. I mean, you close the door, things stay in that room. Right. I mean, as to where if the door's open, you're not going to make bad mistakes when the door's open. Right. I Keep mean, someone can walk in What anytime. are some of the guardrails? I mean, you just made some. Don't be alone. You're downstairs in a basement. I think these are good things. Uh, you know, call a brother, sister, mom, dad, whatever. Come on down. Watch the sports with us, whatever. Yeah. Uh, don't have a closed door. I like the – I actually really like the advice that my mom more or less told me is that nothing good happens after midnight. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so using that principle, when you're after midnight and you're hanging out with your special somebody, you, you just begin to question, okay, uh, how much further am I going to let this go before something really makes a bad turn? And sometimes it's really hard to ask that question. Yeah. But I think that was one of the better pieces of advice that I got was – was well, just that. Yeah, I know. And plus, you're not – I don't think you're all there when you're tired. No. And you're, no. you're more – you're way more available to do wrong things when you're that tired than you are when you're at your best and when you're like 7 or 8 o'clock. Because I know when, when it gets to 1 or 2 o'clock, I know that I'm not all there. I I can do stuff right. that I wouldn't normally do at 1 or 2 o'clock that I would I would not do And you, you think know, Satan seven would attack you then? Oh, absolutely. Really, yeah. See, yeah. I, so, I call that the halt principle, the halt principle. Mm-hmm. It's if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, you don't make life-changing decisions in those moments. If you do, it yeah. can lead to something really <laughs> drastic. Yeah. And, I just want to encourage you young people, please be alone in public and, right. and, and be around somebody who actually cares about you because – Put those guardrails in place so you have no regrets. Very, very important. Yeah, we got to take a break already. This has been a good conversation. We got one question so far. Uh, there's a lot more to come tonight. You've got it locked into Dave and Jeff here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Welcome back to HopeNet Radio. And uh, tonight is an open air. We're trying to get to This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Maybe you're just wondering about life, and you need one of these conversations that will actually help you in life understand a little bit of the things that you should. Hey, if you want to be part of the conversation, we would love for you to email us at hope at hopenet360.com and be a part of this conversation. Kyle, you've, you've got a unique position at the Clay Bible Institute. You've been mingling with the students. There were some that had some questions. What questions came up while you were talking to them? I have been mingling with the students. And actually, one question that I got that I think is a good question that I've asked before is, what about the, the child in the Middle East, the Muslim child that grew up a Muslim, just like I grew up a Christian, and their strong beliefs in the Quran and their strong beliefs in Allah, the question I, I guess would be, how could a just loving God send someone like that to hell? That, that is a really good question. And I, I think what we have to do is begin to look at what we're really asking, though. F- first and foremost, th- some of the things just strike a chord with me. It's like I have a real strong belief in something. Why would you have a belief in something in the first place? I mean, you, you have to think about what do you believe in and if it's really worth believing in. And, and really, if you check out the Bible, which is really interesting, all the way through the Bible, God invites you to do that. He invites you to check out those who believe in him. Check them out. See, see if they're the real deal. See if they actually love. See if they actually are trustworthy. Uh, I tell young people all the time, God is older than you and he's smarter than you and loves you. You can trust him. And, and I challenge you to check him out. 
I not only challenge you to do that, I challenge you to check out those who actually do love him and see how they live. Uh, so that's one thing I would invite people uh, to think about is when you start thinking about somebody in another culture, just because they have a belief system does not mean that the belief system is right or wrong. It's just a belief system. Mm-hmm. In time, you'll be able to sort it out and see whether it's right or wrong. And that's why even throughout the Bible, it says, test what you believe. Test what you believe. If, if you believe something that's right, then, then as you test it, it will prove itself right. That, that's part of the fun of believing something that's right. And all of us are very capable of believing wrong things. Uh, but the, the question really isn't that. But I think you have to set the framework so we understand what we're talking about. First and foremost, there are things in this world that are right and wrong. In other words, there is truth mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. And, and, and that's where you have to start. So uh, truth. What is truth? Uh, that's a, a, something that you know, Pilate asks. I mean, what is truth? Where can we find it? Well, there are things that are already established as truth. For, for example, um, right now, today, Todd, what color sweatshirt are you wearing? Black. All right. You're wearing a black sweatshirt. It, how many colors is not that sweatshirt? Pretty much every other color. So how many ways can I be wrong if I call it red or green? How many different ways can I be wrong? Every other way. So you're kind of narrow-minded. You're kind of a. You're kind of just sitting there saying, "No, it's only this." How dare you? So I'm wrong on everything else I say, other than black. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, <laughs> th- th- I don't even think you're empathetic. Don't don't you give me anything on this? Can't I call it what I want to? You don't love me. Gosh, Todd's such a jerk. Yeah. What is my deal? <laughs> yeah. See, I'm, I hope that you're getting the argument. It doesn't make any sense. If there is truth, if there is. There's a lot of ways then to be wrong. Truth by itself, the definition of truth means that it's narrow. Okay, so if you look at somebody and say, you're narrow-minded, what, what you're basically saying is there's something about you that is truthful and you're narrow-minded on it. Well, you have to be. Todd, I want to hear your perspective from that question. How is it that someone who's born to a Muslim family um, and is raised up in that way, how is it that God would send that person to hell like, how does a just God send somebody that's never heard about him to hell? Is that what you mean? Well, I guess we're looking at a, a question of fairness. Is it fair that someone who is born to a Muslim family who is raised in that way, and I guess part of what we're saying is the Muslim faith isn't based on truth. It's based on it's based on a perspective. It's based on a religious point of view, but it's not rooted in truth. So mm-hmm. if that's if that is our premise, then how do we reach somebody who is in the Muslim faith, who's born to a Muslim family? Yeah. Um, well, that's quite a <laughs> that's quite a question. I mean, I think I would start out by saying, well, first off, life is not fair because if life was fair, we would all deserve to be eternally separated from Christ. So, just the fact that Christ came to die for us to give us that chance is not fair because we don't deserve it. We have been given such an opportunity. So. Um, let me ask you this. Is it fair in that it's the same for everyone, though? I mean, a Muslim, uh, a Jewish person, a Christian person, uh, in our country, a, a Catholic person, a, a Presbyterian person, is it all the same how yeah, you come to Christ? that is fair. So that's fair. Yes. But the fact that people don't hear about it is what you're saying. You're, are, are we blaming well, – you think we're blaming God for not letting people know about – no, I think I think like basically what it comes down to is like 
a love that is demanded of us really is no love at all. I mean, like Nero tried that. Uh, Hitler tried that. And it's like, so these people can say, okay, you say that you love me. Follow me. It's like, oh, oh okay. Um, but that's not love. That's not devotion or dedication. So for somebody who's born in a situation where they didn't grow up, they weren't raised to believe um, in the Bible, in truth, in Christ, there's a verse that says, you know, when you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And I think that those people, if they're searching for truth, God won't hide himself. But for them to be sentenced to hell, even though they weren't born in a place where they knew about Christ, well, it's... Does it have to do with the, the responsibility that the generations before him had? Oh, yeah, it totally does. Because somewhere along the way, somebody did not tell their kids, look, this is God's rules, you know. And when God gave us the Ten Commandments, it was like, hey, life's going to be a lot better for you if you don't kill each other, if you don't steal from each other. God was giving us guidelines because he wanted us to live life to the fullest. Um, and for people to be sentenced to hell because they weren't grown up in a Christian home, it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a tough topic, but a love that is demanded of us really isn't a love at all, so... You, you know, and I think if you really love somebody, wouldn't wouldn't you think it's your responsibility to make sure they understood the truth and responded to it? And and so it's a failure of love why people don't even know about Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. And so we've twisted it around here. Now, first we're saying, how can a loving God? Now we're saying, well, it's because man isn't loving. Hmm. That's why. Interesting perspective. I look at the, the scripture in John 14 where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, that's not something that we came up with. And when you read through the Bible, and I'm not saying don't read through the Quran or don't investigate their faith and stuff, um, but when you look at the entire gospel, when you look at Jesus' most exclusive words in that statement, I am the way, the truth, the life, not a way, a truth, a life, he was making a very exclusive statement saying that no one can come to the Father but by me. But Jesus also said, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. And he also said that he would give us living water, all that come to him and so you're making the argument about the shirt again. I mean, there's a truth there. Jesus said it, and yeah. either we respond to it or we're wrong. See, I mean, that's and there's a consequence to being wrong. It is, there is a consequence to being wrong. And so, if you know somebody who maybe is a Muslim or an atheist or a Buddhist or whomever, one of the key things that you can focus on is the the whole message of grace. There's no other religion out there that preaches a gospel of grace or any kind of thing related to that where. An unmerited act was done on behalf of, of someone who had a, a debt that they could not pay. And in our regard, we have a problem with evil, and so we can talk about these a little bit more in depth. But that's a really good question, um, and I, there's not an easy answer. But I think for us who are believers, who are Christians, we realize that this is an important message to get out. And so people who are from a different perspective, they don't believe in Christ. They maybe believe in Allah or they believe you know, the Buddhist teachings. Um, you know, Hindu or whatever, it should compel us to go and give them the good news, the truth of the gospel, that is a gospel of grace and love and mercy, but also of a just and a righteous God. So we've got to take a break. You've got it locked in. This is Jeff and Dave here on HopeNet Radio. Stick around. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. Hope Net Radio on Q90FM. 
This is Hope Net Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. What we talk about, and so many of you have messaged in Facebook posts, emails, and you can connect with us. Email us, hope at hopenet360.com. And connect with us also on Facebook and Twitter tonight. We're posting some of these various things that we're talking about as well on our website, hopenet360.com. So, Kyle, you had another question come in. We just talked about some of the Muslim faith and and what we do with with that. Um, good question. What's the next question that you got? My first question was actually from Colton, one of my roommates. The other question that I got is from Cody, my other roommate. Um, I thought this was interesting. Cody asked, if God wants us close to him and God wants us near to him, why does it feel like he sets things up and makes it hard on us to to be close to him? And he kind of explained that as like God used miracles back then and that made it obvious to people saying like, listen, like look at look at these miracles, follow me. Why don't we see those miracles today so it's like easier to follow him? I guess it's a more of a faith-based question than a um, – close to him question. Do you, I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I want to I'd like to field the question on the miracles side of it uh, because that is a I think that's a common question among among young adults when they're looking at the faith and looking at the Old Testament, you know, they see the waters that parted for Moses and they're like how in the world does that not happen today? Like why can't you know, why can't that just happen with the Fox River here? It'd be so much faith? easier to believe in in God if that happened. And right. I think that's more of what the question was. Yeah, what a what a great that's a really great question. Um, the way that I approach this question um, is to say that I believe miracles happen every day. I don't have to just believe it; I can see it. You know, we can look at even in the medical field, and I always like to look at science. I like to look at medicine. I like to look at um, what people what are happening to people who are diagnosed with terminal illness or or what are supposed to be terminal illnesses among people and people that are healed of cancer today those that are are they're they're born um, when they should have they should have died i just read a story online actually about a, a family uh, a congresswoman who gave birth to a baby that they were told they had a zero percent chance of surviving that's like, like that, tim tebow's life too he has an interesting story kind of just like that yeah but there are miracles like this where in this story and we'll post this on hopenet360.com but uh this story of the congresswoman who was told that her baby had a zero percent chance survival rate and that she should just go ahead with an abortion her name is Rep- uh, representative jamie herrera butler uh, from washington and her unborn child was suffering from a normally fatal kidney condition and she was advised the abortion that abortion was one of her options, but she decided not to go along with it. And um, she actually did give birth and called it a miracle. And so today we may not hear about these things, but I really do believe miracles happen because people are experiencing things that are impossible in a doctor's eyes who are, they're very well educated. They know their stuff. They've tested to the best of their ability. And yet things happen that they can't explain other than, there's something else going on here. Yeah, you know, let, let me play my normal old man role here with some philosophical thoughts on this. Because I think what's, what's really important is, is, is that we have to understand that if we are demanding from God a miracle, we are opening ourselves up for satanic activity as well. And we have to be careful. And, and you can go in the Bible and you can see that. You can see that when Moses was told to go tell Pharaoh that he was going to 
uh, need to let his people go. He said, well, how, how is he going to know who you are? God just said, tell him I am. I mean, that's a good definition of God. And then, and, and then he says, well, throw this rod down that you have in your hand. It'll become a snake. Well, so Moses goes and he does that. And a bunch of magicians do the same thing. And they, they become snakes. Now, if I'm Moses, I'm looking up going, really? God, you, you told me to throw this down. Uh, Satan did similar miracles. Now, if you check out those 10 plagues, you'll see that Satan and several of them did similar miracles. Now, all of a sudden, then God stopped them. But when you ask for a miracle, in Mark chapter 8, Jesus said this when people wanted a sign, they wanted a miracle. He said, and he sighed deeply in his spirit. Can you imagine Jesus doing that? He sighed deeply in his spirit. What, what does that mean when you hear that? Todd, what, what does it mean if someone says they sighed deeply in their spirit? I think of like face palm, like, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Are you serious? Yeah, and, and I think if you can imagine <laughs> Jesus doing, what, what did you call that? Face palm. It's like. Yeah, okay, face oh. palm. If you can imagine Jesus face palming, he said, and he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, <laughs> why does this generation seek a sign? You know, it'd be like, Todd, if I'm with you and I go, I'm Dave, and you go, prove it. Prove it, Dave. Yeah. A Dave would do this. A Dave would do I'm going, why do you seek us? I'm Dave. We should do that to Dave you know, from now on. I mean? yeah. Prove it, Dave. Done. So I think that's one thing we have to understand is that, that God has already given us, as, as uh, we were talking about, God has already given us miracles. He created the world. He makes maple syrup out of dirty water that goes through maple trees. I mean, there are miracles like everywhere that are just, we're so used to them, we don't consider them miracles. A second thing you want to understand is that a miracle is really something out of the normal system. Yes. You know, and so um, God really most of the time allows the system to work. So if you go out and beat your head on a rock, you're going to get a headache. That's how the system works. If you Mm. beat your head on a rock, it starts bleeding, and you start praying while you're beating your head on a rock, saying, God, would you please stop the pain? I'm not sure the pain's going to stop. It would be a miracle if it did, and certainly God could do that, but that's not what he normally does. He normally lets the system work and we have to understand how he works and and so uh, really when we're seeking a miracle a lot of times when Jesus fed the 5,000 when he did different things it seems like people came back for the circus act it's not like they wanted a relationship with God it they wanted the food they wanted the act they wanted the awe they wanted the you know God's very careful that you don't worship the act you don't worship the idea that he can stop the wind yeah you worship him. And, and it's very important, I think, that we grasp that. It, you, you think, Jeff, that that's clear? I mean, it's just kind of two thoughts on miracle kind of thing. I think it's clear, and I think there are a lot of people who are listening who are tonight hoping for a miracle. And so if you're out there tonight and you need to talk to somebody about something you're going through, make sure you head on over to HopeNet360.com and chat with the live coach tonight about whatever it is you're going through. Um, I think yep. prayer prayer moves the hand of God. Now, a miracle, I love what you said, Dave. A miracle is something that's totally out of the system that— you know, only God could do, and I believe they do happen, but they're not required to happen. Right. You know, and my heart goes for those that you just talked to. I mean, it, it, you could be sitting home tonight, and you're hoping for a miracle, and and you know, if it doesn't come the way you want, you you might even be tempted to reject the idea of God on that because a miracle did not happen. Yep. You know what? I, I would encourage you. You need to know the character of God. He loves you tremendously. He will walk with you through whatever problem you're in the middle of. He will help you. He will guide you. He will be your friend. He will be God in your life. 
It's not that he can't change things. It's whether he will or not. But if he does not, you need to know who he is. He does love you. And if you are disappointed with him, I don't think you know him. You need to spend more time with him. Yep. And, uh, and if you're struggling with that, please email us, hope at hopenet360.com, and give us a chance to help you out because you need to have a conversation that can help you understand some of these things. So I, mean, I don't know if we answered the question tonight, but the question itself there that Kyle was asking was, you know, if God wants us to be close, why does it feel so hard to be close to him? Um, I just I want to encourage you that you don't give up. Don't give up your, your pursuit of God just because it's not coming in your time. Knowing that there's something going on, there's something that you feel like is impossible, that God is strong enough to take care of that. God is strong enough for every single difficulty. And he's not just going to leave you high and dry. Realize the purpose of a miracle is not for us, really. The purpose of a miracle is to bring God glory. And so everything that we do, if that's our perspective, and I know that's a hard, it's a hard pill to swallow for those who have, maybe you've had something, a, a medical disease or an illness for many years that you've been fighting and going through. The purpose for our life ultimately is to give God glory and to be a vessel used by him. That's a hard thing to go through. And especially if you're looking for a miracle tonight, just know that you're just, you're, you're an open vessel that God could show his strength and his power. And it's not really for your benefit. I mean, it's going to benefit you, but it's for God's glory. For those who have experienced a miracle, you know what I'm talking about? You now have, you've got the unction that you have to go and do something with that miracle that God has given you. You, you can't just hold it in for yourself. we got to take another break. I can't believe how fast this is going tonight. Again, email us, hope at hopenet360.com. Our coaching lines are open, so you can chat with a live coach if you need prayer or encouragement tonight. Visit our website, hopenet360.com. We're going to take a break, play some music. You've got it locked into HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. These are questions and topics that you've wrote in on our Facebook page, HopeNet360, or in email. Uh, email us at hope at hopenet360.com. So tonight, um, Todd, we got another message in, and I want you to read this question from Randy, uh, and let's we're going to talk about some of these things. So uh, read the email. Okay, so what Randy wrote is the Sabbath. We are to keep the Sabbath holy. This is uh, a commandment from God. Exactly what day did God reserve for us to keep? Is Sunday correct, or is it truly Saturday? Then if the Sabbath were to be kept on Saturday, why is every church congregation held on Sunday? Additional, who then changed the day of the Sabbath, if Saturday was truly the day of the Sabbath? Wow. That's a good question. Uh, Todd, do you have any thoughts just off the bat on that? Well, I think the day, well, historically it's been held thought that Jesus rose on the Sabbath, or I mean on Sunday, so that's why the early church decided to start. That's because he couldn't work on the Sabbath, and rising was a little bit of a work. Oh, I I guess, (laughs) a lot of power, you know, exerted. No, I'm kidding. Those are the (laughs) thinking I was serious. That was a joke. I joke once in a while, even though I'm Swedish. I do that. Yeah. Ha ha. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) And what I think about, like, 
keeping the Sabbath holy is I really don't think that we need to get caught up on like the rules of like, okay, okay, here's the Sabbath. We are going to keep it. I think it's more God saying, take a break. Um, focus on your relationship with me. Cause like any relationship, it takes time talking, communicating and listening. So I love that. It, and so much of sometimes the perception of people on the outside of Christianity looking in viewed as a bunch of rules that you live mm-hmm. by. And one of these things can be the keeping the Sabbath. I mean, this is, this is right in the 10 commandments, you know, keep the, the Sabbath day holy, um, and to set it apart essentially. But, uh, Dave, you had some really good in our discussion, just going into this question. There's, um, there's some, there's some debate, you know, does it matter if churches are held on Saturday or Sunday is Saturday the Sabbath? Um, what are your thoughts regarding this? Yeah. You know, I love teaching the Bible. I love teaching theology and I hate arguing about things. So, uh, I, I, some will be find that surprising saying, well, you do argue about things, but I, I don't actually, I, I don't want to argue what day right now would be best for you. Here, here's the principle that we have to deal with. Christianity is all about relationships, and relationships are not arrangements. Arrangements have, like, mm. rules. They have things that you have to do in order to keep the arrangement. So if I was with somebody and I uh, said, I'm going to marry you, and here's the deal. As long as you do this, 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 and this, and I do this, 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 and this, we'll stay married. That's an arrangement. Wow. A, a relationship is... I am going to marry you no matter what happens. I'm going to be faithful to you and take care of you and, and, and love you and, and do what's best for you the rest of your life. See, that's a relationship. And what we are in with God is not an arrangement. If you're in an arrangement with God, I'm not sure you've understood what Christianity is. I, I don't know that you understand the love that God wants to give you and, and the position as his son or daughter that he wants to give you. And that's free as he offers you that position of of childhood in his family. So, but relationships, if you want to call them that have certain rules, I hate to use the word rules, but they have some rules to them. And one of them is that you have to be intentional about them. All right. For, for example, I've been married for, for over 30 years and uh, my wife and I, uh, every day we will talk about when we're going to get together and spend time walking for three miles. So we walk three miles together. She learned years ago that I talk a whole lot better. I'm more concentrated. She's more concentrated. She's not doing work around the house when we go out and walk. So we actually get to communicate for an hour. That's very intentional on our part. We do it on purpose. Likewise, God meets with us and says, you know what? I want you to be intentional about spending time with me. That's all. And and, and part of the process was giving us the Ten Commandments. Now, the Ten Commandments are interesting. There's a lot of people that think they're rules so that God will love you. Uh, believe me, he's not going to love you more or less whether you keep his rules or not rules. The Ten Commandments were given by a God who adores you. He loves you. And he's basically saying, here's ten things, really, that you're going to struggle with. I, I don't care who you are. These are things that are going to get you off. And one of them is you're, you're going to be busy doing all kinds of things, like watching sports, washing your car, doing this, doing that, going to work. And, and you're going to let your relationship slide. It could even be good things like, you know, going to church and yeah. hanging out at a youth group. Playing golf. Yeah. And, you know, anything. And, and what happens is the relationships slide. So, so what God's saying, you better every once in a while on a regular basis stop everything and spend time with me. And spend time with those you're in relation with. Otherwise, it'll turn into an arrangement. And when it turns into an arrangement, you're in trouble. There was a, a, a guy that was at a motel in Florida. And he was out on a Saturday. And one day, uh, he went out there, and there was a string coming out of, the, out of the motel onto a boardwalk 
all the way along the ocean and a, a sign hanging on the string saying, please do not remove string. And he was curious. So, so he asked the people at the desk, what's with the string? And they said, oh, well, we have a lot of people here of a certain religious faith, and, and they believe the Sabbath is on Saturday, and they can only go so far away from home. And when they're in the motel, this is home. And so since they can only go so far away from home, we extend the string so they can go further, and they still haven't broken the law of the Sabbath. Mm. And I'm thinking, oh, that arrangement. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that has nothing to do with a relationship, really. That has to do with a rule and an arrangement. Yeah. And, and, and what a relationship is. When, when Jesus walked through a field once, he, he was hungry. He was with his disciples. There were a bunch of religious guys watching him like normal. And, and he was walking through the field, and, and, and he basically grabbed some grain and ground it up in his hand and ate it. And when he got done, they said, oh, you just broke the Sabbath, man. You, you harvested on the Sabbath. Can you believe that? And Jesus kind of laughed at him. It was like, no, I didn't. You know, wait a minute. We saw it, and that's our rules. Yeah. Here's what happens. Back years ago, they wrote something called the Talmud, and you don't have to remember that. But what they did is they, they wrote a whole other book that was bigger than the Bible, that basically said, here's how you interpret the Bible. So what Jesus did was break the Talmud. He didn't break what God said. Mm. And, and that's what we do a lot. We, we add rules to rules to rules. I don't think God said, you need to do this on a Saturday or a Sunday. Here's the principle. You need to be intimate with God. You are made to be intimate with him. You are made to spend time with him. And if you're not intentional about it, you will not know him. You won't have a good relationship with him. And it's about relationships. So what I want to encourage you to do is be intentional about spending time with God. And, and what God would say is don't neglect the Sabbath. Don't neglect that intentional time. And it can be different days, but you can't neglect it because if you do that, you're not going to have that relationship. I don't know. Kyle, Todd, Jeff, does that make sense or is that foggy? It totally. makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. The reference that you're referring to, if you guys want to go check it out, Mark two twenty three to 28. And uh, the last couple of verses, Jesus said to the Pharisees, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So uh, there's a couple of questions going into this. We're coming up on a break, but I just wanted just to touch on it. First off, that the Sabbath was, I think the Sabbath, the Sabbath and worship services are a little bit separated. And um, I think we're not really focused on, at least in the modern evangelical church and even the Catholic Church or what other denominations, Christian denominations that are out there, most of us will do services on Sunday morning, not necessarily in celebration of the Sabbath, but more in celebration of what God did on the cross and Jesus' resurrection. So it's it's a little bit of a shift in perspective. So it's not, I don't think it's worth getting hung up over. I don't think you really want to beat yourself up about working on a Saturday or making sure that you have every Saturday off of work. I know in our culture, we're so bent on work, 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 work. Um, and our schedules vary and stuff. I think it's just important to know that God created the Sabbath and we need to have a day, a time, a period where we can regroup and we can refocus just on him and not have the pressures of working and building and all those other things. So what do you think about like Chick-fil-A that closes on Sunday? Is that, is that wrong or is that right, do you think? Well, I think it's cool. I mean, I really do think it's good for companies that are, you know, that are privately owned. Okay. That... He's just saying, I want to close, like a Hobby Lobby, Chick-fil-A. Yeah. And they're just saying, you know, we want to honor the fact that you can go to church and we want you to spend time with your family. We want right. you to spend time with God. So that's a good thing. Great question, though. Thanks, guys, for <laughs> for um, right. for messaging us on Facebook. If you have a question, you can, by all means, put it on our Facebook and we may end up using it. <laughs> Using yeah. it. Yep. 
All right, Dave, we got to take a break, guys, and we're going to play some music and come back. You've got it locked into HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. This show is flying. It is open conversation night, and you can get your questions in tonight. Email us at hope at hopenet360.com or connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. We're hanging out there tonight as well. So, Dave, um, we got a really, really good question from a parent, and um, this is a this is a comment from Jennifer who writes in, um, I'm looking for ideas on how to discipline lying with preteens. I, I need some ideas on how to discipline for lying with preteens. So uh, I myself have not had a preteen. I've mentored some students, but I'd like your perspective on how you handle a, a teenager who is just becoming a teenager uh, having problems telling the truth. Yeah, you know what? I, I think um, that is one of the most challenging things for any parent is actually to look at a child and realize that they've been lied to by that child and then try and deal with the idea that that's going to hurt them and we need to correct it for their sake and not for our sake, but for theirs. There's a couple of things I think that are very helpful. And and with Kyle and Todd in the studio here, it, it, I want your response when I'm done talking here, just to, to tell me if you think I'm right on yeah. or I'm, I'm goofy. You know, first, first and foremost, we have to realize every season of life that we go into is a new season and we've never been there and we don't know what to do with it. So for example, um, uh, Todd, you're, you're not married right now. Kyle, you're not married right now. Let's say one day you did get married. That's a new season of life for you. You've never been married. You don't know what that means. You don't know how to do it. it so, so how would you actually prepare for that? Well, you talk to somebody who has been, and you'd see what God says about it, and you start adjusting that way. But uh, it's not a surprise that you're confused at different periods of life. If you have a preteen in your house and you've never had one before, welcome to a new season of life. Uh, so, I, I mean, first of all, you're not alone, Jennifer, in your, your thoughts. I mean, it, that's, a, that's a good question, and, and it's a new season. Second of all, here's some of the things that I think you have to do. I, I think the Bible makes it very clear that before we correct anybody, one of the things we want to do is check our own hearts. For example, uh, there was a time where some young people did something extremely wrong at Silverbird Ranch, and they were young men that I trusted with some responsibility. And I was furious. I really was. But you just heard me say that. I was furious. I, I really at that moment didn't care about them. I was furious that they didn't listen to me. I was furious that my reputation was being besmutched, besmirched, whatever the word is. I, I was furious because of my feelings that were hurt. I was furious for a lot of things. But I honestly didn't care about them at that point. I mean, to say I didn't care would be strong, but really, I was more furious. And I remember looking at him, and I was about to say something, and, I, and it was like the Spirit grabbed my heart and said, don't say anything. And, and I walked away, and, and, and I told him, okay, I'll talk to you in a couple of days. And I went back to my office, and I remember praying, saying, God, I, I shouldn't talk to him right now, because right now I'm furious. I should really care about them more than I care about what they did wrong. And I shouldn't talk to him until I get myself straightened out. Th that was very valuable to me. 
down the road, both with my own children and, and down the road as I dealt with many people. After a couple of days, I actually cared more about these young men than I cared about their offense, and it went very well when I went and talked to them about it. So that's one thing is, is realize or a couple of things. You know, you're in a new season, and, and, and then check your own attitude out before you even talk to them. Uh, and, and then I would go talk to them, and sometimes with my own girls and with younger guys, I'll say, you know what, I really don't know um, necessarily that I do everything right, but you got to hear something. I, I very much love you, and I want you to be successful in life. And I know this, in, in your case, I know that if you develop into a young man that lies about things, you're not going to be trustworthy in the future. You're not going to be trustworthy in a business or in a family or in a relationship. And, and when I hear you lie because of my love for you, I am devastated because I want what's best for you. Now, that's how you have to portray it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, many times I encourage parents, you can look at what a, a child does, no matter what it is, and pretty much say to them, What you just did, I hate. But then pause for a second and say, but you, I love. And then go on with your explanation. Because you need to separate the action from whether your love is diminished or or you get their love because you behave better. And and so I would do that and then be honest and talk to them about what bothers you and and really have an open discussion. They may sit there and listen, but I want to promise you this. They'll be listening. And and then, um, yeah, I think there are consequences to actions. And and I think, you know, having to go to bed early or whatever, that might be still an appropriate thing to do. Uh, Todd, Kyle, am I off on this or is that? Something that my parents did that (laughs) was, I think, looking back, super effective with me was when I would, um, it wasn't necessarily lying, but when I would mess up and just do something that I deliberately went against their wishes um, and I knew it, my parents would just look at me and just say, you know, your trust level just went down. It was like there was this like meter in my head that I could like visualize so that when I would do something wrong, they said your trust level just went down. That was way worse than any other kind of punishment that I could have got. It was like, oh, why couldn't you guys just, like, spank me or something? Because that was better in my mind than my parents not being able to trust me. You know, you said something there, Todd, that's really important for a parent to grasp. My my brother and I were different as we grew up, too. If I disappointed my dad or my mom, I was devastated. I never got a spanking because of that. It wasn't a game or anything. I was devastated, and they realized that about me, so they didn't have to spank me. My brother, you could spank him, and he'd go, that didn't hurt. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. That's a different punishment, and I think it has to be appropriate to the child. It's funny. I think I'm more like your brother. Maybe it's an older thing, being the oldest. But, you know, I was – it's kind of funny because I feel like that lady who emailed may have been my mom from like 10 years ago because I was (laughs) that lying teen. I I feel like going through middle school, going through – like the beginning stages of high school – just trying to find my place. I was I was the liar. So my parents tried a bunch of different things, but you know what? At the end of it, it was um, they 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 made me stay with them at all times. I, I I stayed in their sight. They they I lost all of their trust. So because I lost all of their trust, I had to spend all my time with them, and they and it ended up me being their best friend, not me hating them. So I mean, sometimes taking away their friends. And making you become their only friend makes them love you. What kind that of things? Me. Yeah. What kind of things did you lie about? I lied about, <laughs> you know what? From things to did you drink that pop? To did you do that homework assignment? To 
did you hit your brother? I, I mean, I was a liar. I definitely was a lie. I would lie about everything. And I felt, I don't know why I did. It's honestly, that, that whole stage of my life is a blur. But I, I lied about a lot of things just because, I, I, just for anything, for any reason. I don't even know why. I can't even really remember it. But I just remember I lied about everything. You know, it's important that we break people of lying because that's the native language of Satan. It really is. And, and so, uh, you know, moms that have their kids lying, don't put up with that. Actually confront them with truth. It, the Bible tells us that truth sets us free. One of the great problems I'm deal, dealing with with college people is that they basically want to tell me about their life and live a lie. What they ought to be doing is telling the truth. Once they tell the truth, you can see Satan let go of them. I mean, you really can. So mm-hmm. it's very important that we get them in the habit early of telling the truth. You catch them in a lie, please don't let them do that. That's a hard habit to break, too, lying. I think that's something that once you get in the habit of doing it, you want to lie about everything. And I just remember at that stage in my life, I lied about everything, about who I was. To my friends, I would lie about things. It was just silly, really stupid things. Did you ever start believing the lie? Oh, yeah. How weird is that? I would convince myself that I had homework assignments done that I had not even started. And in my head, it was done because I had lied to myself. Yeah, listen was... to that. Young people, listen to that because that's really one of the weirdnesses of being human. I mean, you, you, you basically can lie so much that you begin to believe the lie. And, and then people that confront you go, oh, you're nuts. It's not really how it works. Like, no, really, you just believe the lie. And, and, and I would forget. I'd forget that I lied about it and I'd go back to see if I did it. And he'd be like, oh, my gosh, I didn't actually do it. And I'd forget that I'd lied about it earlier, and I thought that I actually did it because I did lie about it. It was just craziness. The police count on that. Basically, what what they want to do is ask you the same question over and over again. Because if you've lied, they come up with it. You come up with a different story. Go with the truth right from the beginning. You're okay. It's easier to defend the truth than it is to defend the lie. It's easier to remember it. Pinocchio figured that out. I know. (laughs) All right, guys, we have to take a break, but... Man, um, if you have, if you're a teen listening tonight and you've been lying about different things, it's better now that you come clean with that than to wait years down the road and reap the fruit of that. Because every lie that you believe, there's going to be a fruit that comes from that. And so you don't want to see the ugly side of it if it continues to grow and continues to go. It's like it's a weed that exists in your life. So tonight, our coaching lines are open. Go to HopeNet360.com, click on Talk to a Live Coach, and just let them know that you need to come clean and figure out how to do it. They've got some encouraging steps to help you with that. So we're going to take a break and play some music. You're listening to HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Uh, I think Dave is falling asleep, guys. We need to wake him back up. <laughs> Dave? Dave? Oh, Dave. Are we on radio? Oh, okay. On. He's up. Okay, he's up. We got him. <laughs> All right, tonight we've we've been talking about some pretty big things. I like that our last segment talking about lying and um, it's so – I think there's so much to go on that that we can go all night for a lot of more shows. So we're going to do this again. This won't be our only open conversation night. So make sure you get your emails into us. Uh, maybe give us some questions we can cover on some of the next shows as well. Email hope at hopenet360.com or you can connect with us on Facebook or Twitter. And uh, it's pretty easy to come up with questions in 140 characters these days. So, Todd, you had some just some final thoughts. We had a good discussion tonight. I'd like to hear your perspective on some of the things we've talked about tonight. 
I I like how people are asking questions. Yeah, we we appreciate that. That's kind of <laughs> you guys encourage us to do what we're doing. Um and just thoughts on like whether it be from like telling the truth to whether we celebrate the Sabbath or and why we do it. Don't just take what we're saying for um an authority. Go back to the Bible. That's really what we want you guys to do is get into the Bible yourself. So if there's something that you're questioning, we challenge you to go um, search it for yourself, uh, search the Bible for yourself and look up the answers there because that is the ultimate authority. Realize that a lot of these issues we talk about are heart issues. And why do we do what we're doing? And why do we tell the truth? Why do we um, go to church on Sunday? And why do we even celebrate the Sabbath? It's like we want to do it because we love God. We want it to be about not because we're following a bunch of rules um, but because God wants to have that relationship with us. So, I mean. And I, I would totally agree. And if you have questions on that, we're glad to get emails or Facebook comments from you and just ask ask the questions. If there's something in the Bible you don't understand, chances are we've maybe wrestled with it, thought about it, have some perspective on it. Kyle? All right. <laughs> hey, Kyle, what do, you, what do you think about tonight? Well, yeah, I think this was actually a fun show because we got a, a bunch of different perspectives on a bunch of different topics. So that's that's always cool to do. Um, but one thing that I would just advise any teenagers is back to the kissing thing or back to putting up guardrails in your life is that it's really important to make sure that you're making smart and wise decisions. And sometimes that means pulling certain parts of your life out. And that if that means not watching so many R-rated movies or if that means not listening to so much secular music, that's something that you should really think about doing. Um, it's never a wrong thing to take some maybe dirtier aspects of your life out of it. That's not legalism. Legalism is like what Dave talked about earlier about following a book of rules and he explains legalism like this. If you go to a movie and you say, well, I, I can watch a movie with only one sex scene in it, but if there's like three or four sex scenes, I can't watch that movie anymore. That's no good. That's more of legalism. When you just say, you know what, I'm going to not watch any movies that have sex in them because I don't want my mind to be seeing that at all. That's not legalism. That's just putting up a guardrail and saying, okay, that's just probably not the wisest choice for me to be making. And that's what we need to start doing as Christians is start uh, evaluating ourselves and saying, is this the best choice for me? Can I make be making smarter decisions? And that's part of putting up guardrails. Yep. Uh, Dave, I want to hear some of your thoughts on tonight in our conversation. You know, I just keep thinking about the importance of the relationship aspect with God and with people. And relationships are something that demand intentionality. And that's what we kept talking about. And, uh, and, and Kyle put it away where, you know, it's not legalism because you spend time with God. It's intentional. You make good good choices. You know, no, really, the idea of having a relationship with God or in people or an arrangement is something that you need to think about. Um, God doesn't want you to be messed up in a religious stand-up, sit-down, do-the-rules kind of thing. It doesn't work. What he really wants to do is love you, and you need to let him love you. And, and in order to let him love you, you need to be able to accept the fact that on your own, you weren't made to uh, enjoy life or have eternal life. But with God, you are made to both enjoy this life and look forward to the next life so that you could be with him. And it's not because you're good. The only thing that qualifies a person to be in God's family is that they have need. And we all have need because we're sinful. And God, when he saw your need, he sent his son Jesus to meet that need. 
And, and we really do invite you, if, if you are one who is struggling with the idea of being loved by God or, or know that you're in God's family, we invite you to take some time and, and go to John chapter 3, read verse 16, and understand what it says, that God so loved you that he sent his son. And he sent his son so that, that you could be in the very family of God. And you qualify because you have need, not because you're so good. And, and so you can relax and enjoy. God has seen you every moment of your life. He formed you in your mother's womb. He has seen you. He has seen all the good, all the ugly, all the great things you've done. And you know what? He still loves you. And, and what you need to do is give him that chance to love you. Join in in a relationship with him through Jesus and let him love you. That's my encouragement for today. Well, this has definitely been a fun show. There's a couple of things that I want to highlight. Uh, we now have our podcasts on iTunes. So if you have an iPhone, an iPad, an iPod, you can go and download the podcast app and subscribe to our HopeNet radio shows. So uh, that's that's exciting. Um, all you got to do is just search for HopeNet radio and you'll find it. There's also a link on our website at the bottom of our webpage. Um, at hopenet360.com where you can go and click over and, and get to the iTunes link as well. So uh, with that, coming up this week is the See You at the Poll Week. And this is a big week across the country for students, teenagers, um, who are going to be gathering at their flagpole. Traditionally, it's been Wednesday morning, and I think it's still going to be Wednesday morning when students from across the world literally will be gathering in their morning before the this first school bell rings to go and meet at their flagpole and pray with other believers, other students who are in their school. And this is a great week for you guys, for our youth, our, our generation. I love going to these events, and I love going to the flagpoles in the morning uh, and just being there to be a support and to pray for these students because I know that they're the ones that are the soldiers and the champions in their school. And so you can be a part of that. We've got some information on See You at the Poll up on our website, hopenet360.com, on tonight's article. All it is is you just, if you're a student, you can be a college student, you can be a high school, middle school student. Before the first bell rings, go to your flagpole. Uh, usually it's about the hour before the the bell rings that they go and pray at their flagpole. But it's praying for their school. It's praying for their community. It's praying for their leaders. It's praying for their the state and local um, leadership, uh, our national government. And it's uh, it's literally a global student prayer movement. So check out the information on our website tonight and get information on that and see what's going on in your community. And just leverage this. This is a great week for you guys to do something to be the light of Jesus Christ in your schools. And it's it's a very bold move, but it's also encouraging to know that you have classmates that are around you that uh, also are believers. And they're the ones that you can go to and and look towards, especially if you're struggling with something. You, you know then kind of who your friends are. So um, tonight, I guess those are just my final thoughts on this whole thing. We've got a really cool show lined up next week. What we're asking is that you would write a letter to yourself. We're going to call this show Dear Me. And it's going to be where you write a letter. You write a letter to yourself. As a teenager, you write yourself a, a note to you know, think about when you're 28, 29, 30 years old. What you would tell yourself then. Also, if you're maybe you're a parent and you want to write yourself a letter to when you were a teenager and what you would say from that perspective. So you can email us those notes at hope at hopenet360.com. We'd love to read those on the air and just get some perspective. We're going to do it as well. We'll have information on our website with that. So, Dave, any closing thoughts? No. You know, I, I respond to God. Respond to the conversations of people around you who love you and love God because, remember, conversations save lives. For Dave, Kyle, and Todd, 
This is Jeff, and this has been another great show of HopeNet Radio. Thanks for tuning in and sticking out with us. The conversation is going to continue. We'll see you guys online. We'll see you next week. See you guys. Thank you.